All right, welcome in episode five, 40 minutes of pod with Jay Davis, Mark Ennis, Mark Lieberman. My name is Louis Rabot, hanging out with you tonight. Appreciate you making us part of your college basketball consumption. If you are in Canada, we love you very, uh, very much. I'm at Radio Louis on Twitter. You can find him at Coach Lieberman, at Jay Davis underscore 1981, and of course at Mark Ennis. Uh, five mark three to six on the drive over there on 93.9 the ville here locally in louisville i'm on the espn 680 side of things from 10 to noon on weekdays as well mark was good enough to hang out with me for a bit today a little bit of a reminder i thought um mr ennis that this area can have a team going to the acc championship game and playing its rival on saturday both fan bases talking basketball it's really a remarkable thing Hundred. I mean, the, they're supposed to. The rivalry game is this weekend, and I think uh, Louisville fans pissed the blue two opportunities. I think at Madison Square Garden, and Kentucky's in overtime with St. Joseph's or whatever that was uh, last night. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I've I always thought it was kind of silly for for Mark Stoops to war against the idea of Kentucky being a basketball school. This is a basketball place, uh, period. And and why anyone would ever try to fight against that is beyond me. I wasn't shocked at all at this. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a nice reminder this morning. Um, you know, coach, you're watching these games in New York the last couple of days. Coach Lieberman with us, of course, and we see results that, frankly, we wouldn't have seen last year. Right? We talked about uh, uh, yesterday with Mark, especially. You know, if if uh, or today, excuse me, that if Louisville's down, for example, seven points to a Texas in the first half last year, nine points, something like that. Man, that turns into a 20-point deficit pretty quick. This year, they go on a 7-0 run. They make it a game. Obviously, it's the last shot of the game that takes them down. Do you see any positives in that trip to New York or or just a couple more questions? What did Coach take away? Uh, it's We'll find out. I mean, the talent level they have is certainly an improvement. And, you know, the question is, you know, winning isn't normal, and does this team know how to win? So, Coming down to it, obviously going to New York and playing against uh, a top tier teams, that's going to get any kid excited. So that's normal. That that's human nature. They're going to be excited to play those games. It's coming back and playing in New Mexico State and Arkansas State, a Bellarmine, and being consistent. Because if you're going to be a great team, a, a great uh, staff, a, a great player, you got to be consistent. So that's something they've lacked over the last couple of years. We want to see what they are who they are and we'll find more about them it's still a small sample size we'll find out more as the uh next couple weeks go there you go uh jay what's your sort of outside look in on uh the louisville games uh on the kentucky games any sort of uh generalities you can you can share after those games yeah you know from the louisville side watching that game i watched just about all of that texas game on sunday and you know seeing how scott clark scott clark played and you know, that shot Max Aceman hit was a really tough shot over Sky Clark. So, you know, he Sky Clark showed showed a lot that game. And in Indiana's not good. They don't know what mm-hmm. they want to do on offense. I thought Monday, you know, Louisville would come in with something to prove. And for a lot of that game they did, but they kind of just, you know, fell apart down the stretch and, you know, just ran out of gas a little bit and ended up ended up losing that game. But, you know, just being in that environment like you guys were talking about you know, kind of showing, you know, you they have made some improvements, you know, over the course of, you know, from last year to this year, there's still obviously a long way to go. But being that environment, I know, I know Kenny Payne, you know, this isn't the time he's nobody's going to, you know, 
give him any moral victories at this point. You know, he's on a, you know, really short leash, you know, just, just really good shot that this is his last year with the program. But just seeing what how how hard those kids played for most of those two games showed me a lot. And, you know, Kentucky, you know, that St. Joe's game was weird. Um, mm. You know, it's just one of those things now where, you know, there is – it used to be 20, 25 years ago going in the rub, going in the, you know, the – into the Dean Dome at NC, um, you know, going to Duke, going to Kansas, you, you were, especially in the non-conference, you know, when teams aren't playing a bunch of good teams, you were going to lose by 2025. Now with NIL and the transfer portal and kids staying longer, you know, no, I, I don't think a lot of kids are, you know, scared of things like that. You know, look at what James Madison did to Michigan State. Look at what, you know, uh, UNC Greensboro did in Arkansas last week. You know, that's the first time they ever beat a ranked team, the first time they beat an SEC team. So, you know, just seeing a lot of the things that have been happening over the last couple of weeks, you know, yeah, you want you'd like to see Kentucky blow St. Joe's out. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, winning a close game like that, having to make real plays down the stretch, you know, makes makes a big difference. You know, come come February, March, when, the, you know, when you're in more high pressure situations. So we've just seen for the record, of- hold on for, for the record. I would not like to see Kentucky blow out St. Joseph's. I just wanted to state that clearly for the record. Good. I have no opinion on that. The um, so uh, you know, not to you know bypass those games, coach, but UConn just recorded its twenty-second straight double-digit win over a non-conference opponent. How hard is it to do that? And what I mean, we had Kamani Young on the first show. You could tell they've got it going there. They're comfortable with how they do things there. Man, how the hell do you win twenty-two straight games by double digits against anyone? Frankly, no, they 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 have it rolling. They have guys that are absolutely bought in to what they're selling. And when you have that, I mean, it, you know, they you watched last night and they knew that you know, the big kid was out for Texas, and and you could have kind of a letdown. And, and look, they didn't guard the way they usually guard last night. Um, there was some some almost expecting the win, but. Again, they come out, they get it done. Um, it, they have a system in place that they are. They they know who they are. Uh, you can't say enough about that in, in in terms of basketball. When when you have that identity, they they know the style. They know what's expected from Coach Hurley uh, as far as defensively, offensively. They are as fluid a team right now as you're, you're seeing in college basketball. Last year, t- people try and emulate. Obviously, when teams win championships, it's really hard to emulate what they do for other programs because they share the ball. They are constantly moving. They're not ball watching. They are the epitome of what you want from an offensive standpoint. We've had other upsets early in the season. So Jay mentioned one, uh, UNCG over Arkansas. Long Beach State beats a Michigan team that beat um, uh, St. John's already. Bryant goes down to Boca Raton, beats uh, t- uh, 10th ranked. Florida Atlantic, and frankly, that game was never close. Uh, Coach, do you think do you do you glean much from early season trips like that, or is it guys can be distracted, or you know, like an FAU goes, you know, loses four games the whole season before the Final Four last year? A little unusual to see those, but you know, what's your reaction to those? Or is there a forty minutes of pod curse? No, that's a, you just stole my thunder, oh. son of a. <laughs> I had a whole joke lined up about it, about how he sent me a text. Yeah, I'm you, sorry. You're a clever guy, though. So I was going to talk about. Yeah, I don't even remember what the joke was now because it was just. <laughs> it was, I had it all set up because you know it. You I'm ball dominant you, with the you jokes. It up I'm on sorry, ladder, Louis. And now I can't even remember what it was. I'm the worst. 
You are. I'm not even the best mark on this podcast. You are. I've got nothing else to say. I don't know what to say. I'm 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 flummoxed right now. Yeah. No. Uh, I would say this early on. Every team is going to have a hiccup. All the good teams are going to have something. Coach Patino, you know, they've lost two games. You know, panic doesn't set in. There's no must-win games in December, November, December, and January. The must-win games come in February and March. So right now, those programs are going to be just fine, especially FAU. Got it. All right. So um, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting distracted by uh, text messages that I don't need. I put out a tweet with uh, the most recent attendance for a Louisville basketball game, just uh, shy of 4,700 in the building uh, for the Coppin State game. Announced attendance just over 10-5. So um, we are seeing a slight discrepancy there. Um, all right. So I, I, I'm with you, coach. I think that early season, especially, you know, playing with lineups, trying to figure things out, guys, not, you know, totally locked in, you know, before they get to the conference season, that sort of stuff. But <laughs> Jackson state winning at Mizzou, these kinds of upsets, is there a threshold for which, I mean, cause we talked about it, you know, is, is a cop and state loss, just walk on the floor and fire Kenny Payne bad man, Jackson yes. state coming in. zero and five, right. At Mizzou, I mean, Jay Davis, do you have an opinion on those kinds of just, I mean, that's a top-level terrible loss. Yeah, you know, Jackson State, <clears throat> obviously, you know, HBCU, they hadn't played a home game yet. You know, they're doing all these bye games. Mm -hmm. uh, they lost to, I think they lost to Portland in their opener of their second game. Um, Missouri's got this, like, super high recruiting class. They got a lot of, you know, highly touted freshmen. And then they go in there, you know, Jackson State goes in there and wins. You know, there's, you know, I get, you know, tinkering with lineups and, you know, tinkering with different sets and things like that. But, you know, just sometimes, you know, you can see when – and it's it's not even an effort thing, you know, you know, with the kids. Like I said, you know, you get kids that, you know, just they're, – they're not phased by the environment. And, you know, you're going to see that more and more, even in March. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, go ahead. I, well, I would add to this, like, just for example, it, southeastern Louisiana, where I was formerly coaching at – they just played Santa Clara. They lost by two and had two wide open shots to win the game. So that would have been talked about. So like there, the, the, the gap between these programs, it's not like football. Um, you can get guys that can come in and beat teams, you know, and, and it's, it's there. I mean, you know, uh, Mizzou, if they hadn't had the season they had last year, then yeah, there would be some rumblings, but because of the success they had last season, then it kind of tempers that kind of like uh, panic. I did uh, think also with Mizzou, this is just something to watch. There haven't been very many college teams at all devoted to the like the hyper pace and space mm. thing, like like the Jazz did a couple years ago, Donovan's last year there. But Missouri is one of those teams, and I do wonder if they're not a little bit upset, susceptible when. There are just games where God's decided you're not making a lot of threes tonight. And that that inability to manufacture like old old fashioned baskets mm -hmm. because of that style of play. Mm -hmm. I do wonder if those teams are not at greater risk kind of earlier in the year when you just kind of have one of those nights where you don't make 10 threes, you make four out of 35. And now you gotta you better figure out where to find those points somewhere else. And I don't really know that they're I wonder, this is clearly like a hypothesis. I'm not declaring it to be true if those teams aren't a little bit more susceptible, especially early. That's a good point. And, uh, and to, to factor in the fact that Missouri presses and traps, but you're doing it with young guys. Last year they had a lot of veteran guys who understood how hard you have to play. I mean, Jackson State was able to break it, 
get easy baskets off of it because the freshmen don't understand how hard they got to sprint out of every trap, how hard they got to sprint back. It's a learning curve for them. I, I do want to get everybody's kind of yes, no. Dennis Gates, long-term Missouri, it works. Yes or no, Mark Ennis? Uh, I say yes. Uh, I, hiccup here early, but I, I think he is uh, – I thought he's very impressive, uh, both in, in terms of handling the job and, and the players he inherited and, and brought with him and kind of gelled all that together. No, I think, I think he's going places. I'll go second here. I think it's very clear when you watch them, there's a plan, and he is implementing it, and the guys are buying what he's selling. Jay Davis, do you agree? Yeah, you know, you come into a program, you know, he's been at a lot of different places. You know, Cleveland State was his first head coaching job. Then he jumps into, you know, the SEC, you know, the kids, like you said, clearly buying into what what he's selling. Um, you know, when you have a lot of young guys like they have, stuff's going to take time. You know, they're good, they, you know, you don't want to lose to a, a team like Jackson State. Like I said, they hadn't played a home game all year. But, you know, you, you know, you have an early loss like that, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that you look at and you, you know, you clean it up. And, you know, I think, I think he'll, I think he'll get them back on track. Coach, same question to you, but with uh, an added caveat, did it mean anything extra to you that guys followed him from a place like Cleveland state to uh, a Columbia, Missouri? Uh, no, um, <laughs> no, I, I will say this, like, you know, he, he Dennis, does a, a fantastic job and I'll name drop because his associate head coach Charlton Young is one of my good friends yeah. and they were together at Florida State and CY is a, a, a great uh, ambassador for him great recruiter great everything like so they that he, he gets it Dennis Gates he's a very impressive guy if you get a chance to be around him you can see why guys want to follow him um, you know uh, uh, to, to wherever he he goes, obviously Missouri, but like he'll, he'll do a fantastic job. This hiccup, uh, they'll be fine. Dennis Gates, twenty eight and twelve to start his career uh, at Mizzou. That'll that'll uh, that'll hit the fairway quite a bit. And hey, I course, did want to uh, tell you guys, you'll enjoy LIU. I just yeah, saw this tweet. Right. LIU Columbia tonight delayed fifteen minutes because Rod Strickland, the head coach at LIU, was stuck in traffic. <laughs> Which is great. I also did not know Rod Strickland was the head coach. I, I did. Um, I hope that's not a euphemism for something else because uh whoa, I'm not gonna speculate, so that's okay. All right, all right, here we go. Is that a dad Noted. bowel movement joke? Is that is that what just happened? Uh you can either confirm nor deny. <laughs> that's what happened to Paul Pierce in the finals in 2008. He, he wasn't hurt. <laughs> he yeah. traffic too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Dennis Gates, of course, was an assistant That's... for eight years at Florida State, so uh, learned uh, learned a lot there, I'm sure. Well, um, now we know ahead. that Rod's not traveling with the team, so that's also I know, right? Note. The team's in the yeah. coaches. What? Anyway, yeah. LIU. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew that. Um, I'm surprised that you didn't know that. It's okay. There you go, uh, Mark. I'm ready. I deserve it. No, I deserve it. I think Mark Ennis deserves like three minutes to talk about Kim Mulkey if he wants to. I think that's something totally on the table and totally worth talking about. And I I just, look, I actually, so I defended last year. I think she's good for women's college basketball. Oh, like, I, I think you're totally right about that. Okay. I get not liking her and I get, you know, yeah. you, you, I'm not, I'm not suggesting anyone has to, but man, I think she's fantastic for the sport, Ennis. A hundred percent. Every uh, every sport benefits from a villain. No question. Are you kidding me? Especially women's basketball, where where it does feel like 
whether anyone's willing to admit it or not, there's kind of a parental cheering uh, feel to it. To have someone that you're allowed, you know, like you're not allowed to hate anybody. You got to celebrate everyone who's playing. But you're allowed to hate Kim Mulkey. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I think that that's good. If you can get hate watchers who, that's always, uh, in terms of traffic or content or viewers or whatever, you get hate watchers, uh, you're you're going somewhere. You're doing something. And I, I, I think she is easily hateable easily easy to root against and fun for i think people to 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 root for their team against her she's a great villain she's wonderful for the sport i can't stand her but she's <laughs> fantastic Did who's worse her? go ahead jay who's who's worse as you know not as like tactician coach but just in general who's worse you think her or dabble swinney her 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 oh my she God. knows she's evil Dabo does press conference could have Dabo been doesn't know i mean everybody here has seen the press conference right, right. after the game yeah. Oh, yeah right i mean my gosh i mean just <laughs> the fact that just even how she blows her nose was just annoying yeah and was just and she's like Corella her voice and the way, her her disdain for everybody everyone the fact that she's just you know I got the flu, and, I, and it's almost like here, like you know, you guys get. It. Oh my gosh, that <laughs> that, that was she's that a, was theater, a Bond villain, absolute vaudevillian theater. Totally yes, is. the outfits. Are nobody, great. nobody loves flexing their power more over the local media than a college basketball coach. That is the <laughs> truth, man. That is so true. It's so real. I um. Yeah, just that. Uh, they are building a statue to Muffet McGraw at Notre Dame. Mark Ennis is that more worthy than Mark Stoops at Kentucky? By a lot? Are you kidding me? By what? Seventy yes. times? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, are you kidding? Oh, God, man. I in I, I think you'd have to say like in the history of doing your show with Dan Issel as much as sure. you have, nothing has incensed that man more than the Herald Leader calling for Stoops to get a statue. I just I don't think it's offended at his at his core uh, about that. Muffet is was Muffet's another coach I can't stand that was right. great. But she's don't ever let anybody tell you that like I'm not objective. She is one of the best ever. So is Kim Mulkey. I don't want to be around either one of them. <laughs> there you go. Little uh, little hate for coaches on the women's side. How about that? That's um, I need to come up with a list of coaches I respect and hate equally. <laughs> Jay, we've had a lot of discussions uh, locally here about Reed Shepard, and that is a kid who uh, it, <laughs> I, I always use horse racing. Uh, terminology, but it seems to be the kind of of horse that you have in 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 lower level races, and then every time you move him up, the horse is just fine. Reed Shepard, every time we see him on a big stage, whether it be the McDonald's All American Game or a game in Kentucky, whatever it is, he fits in. The speed isn't too much. The stage isn't too big. You talked about these kids, you know, going in for these up, upsets. Uh, how much of our prejudice against him is because of who his dad is, the fact that he's out in the country, and the fact that he's white? Ah, uh, there we go. Good, good, look. good. <laughs> I was going to ask you what the horse racing term for being white is. <laughs> he wasn't very good last night. You know, he only took one shot, but, you know, uh, last Friday he had a hell of a game. He had seven yep. threes. I mean, you know, you they're, they're going to love him down there. You know, both of his parents played. I remember Jeff Shepard in that, what, sure. that 98 team. You yep. know, he's he if, he's if he stays more than one year, he'll be a star. Do you like his game? Yeah, you know, he's – <laughs> it's been interesting because like a Sam Vicente is, is pushed all in on him, for example. Right. So that's a, that's a guy in Australia that, you know, is observing from far away and doesn't have any, you know, I don't want to say any skin in the game, but he doesn't. 
um, and is watching me, him play and say that that's who stirs the drink in Kentucky, essentially. He's he's good to be fair. You know, this isn't like, yeah, my dad and mom played here. You know, I, right. you know, I barely made a team. He's a top 25 recruit in the country. You know, when, you know, coming yeah. out, he's, he's a guy that can play, you know, he didn't play a lot in that Kansas game, but when he out, when he was out there, he was effective. You know, he's got a, he's got a sweet stroke. Um, you know, I heard a couple other people comparing him to Tyler Hero. Those two, I don't think those two traffic in the same circles, but I agree. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he's he's gonna be good, you know, between no, him the and they don't, you know, they got they have one you know, thing in common. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's gonna be good. And you know, I think he's gonna be a reason why, you know, Kentucky fares better than some people might think this year. Coach, you're are you a fan of Reed Shepherd's game? Yeah. I think he's uh yeah I I enjoy watching them play. I haven't seen a lot of him, um, but when I do, yeah, he he's yeah he's a, he's a solid player. Got it. All right, um, coach. We didn't schedule anything from Coach's Corner, but it is time for Coach's Corner. Uh, anything that you're burning on lately? Anything you've watched screens. recently? Um, pardon what now? Oh, what something about screens? Oh, screening. Yeah, always. Let's- Greens. That's our that's our little inside joke between Mark and myself. So got it. Um, okay. Yeah, I just uh, you know, there's I, I wish, I wish, but we'll we'll get to the point where we show some clips. I mean, there there was a couple series of uh, off the top of my head, Saint Bonaventure versus Oklahoma State at the four nineteen mark of the first half. Saint Bonaventure gets a steal, and they're big. You talk about rim running in his first three steps, just explodes to the rim. All the Oklahoma State guys are converging to protect the rim. And St. Bonaventure has shooters running to the wings, kick out by the point guard, wide open three. So it's amazing what you can accomplish when the old carry gets the credit when you have bigs that run the floor. Um, Houston, there's a series at the 10-18 mark in the second half um, of their game. And... You just watch a a clinic on defensive rotations, on ball screens, on blitzes, plugging, uh, tagging guys, recovering back, being two places at once. Um, just last night, Marquette and UCLA. You just watch just the physicality, how they defend, and the. I think Marquette has a chance to be really special. Yeah. I, you know, I, I see a team really early good. on. I, I like them tonight. I think they'll. I think they'll beat Kansas. Um, oh. I, I just think they, if they stay out of foul trouble, um, they're just they have so many shooters and crafty players. Right. Um, and, and again, I'm I'm I should. This is terrible, especially on our podcast because I just know numbers and, and whatnot. But they have a big that's just so athletic and just and, and can play. So we'll see. We'll see how that game goes tonight. I asked about Dennis Gates earlier, and and Shaka Smart is a perfect example of you watch his players, and boy, how do you have they bought in? My goodness, they all play the style. They all, I mean, it is it is a hundred percent on every play. Whatever he's doing, coach, it is absolutely remarkable. You know what's funny about that? Like, so they, they during the broadcast, um, they talked about he asked his players, "How many of you guys were recruited by UCLA? How many of you mm. guys were McDonald's All Americans when he was at Texas?" To get those guys to buy in, he never did. So he likes to play that card with his guys that were yep. the underdog, where the guys are going to fight and scrap. When he was at Texas, he had the five stars, and they didn't buy in. When mm. when he was at VCU, when he was at Mar- now he's at Marquette, he gets those guys to understand what he wants. I wonder if the same thing goes for Sean Miller back at at Xavier. You know, like 
not sometimes underdog guys like you get to the top and it's like this is not like they don't work as favorites or mm-hmm. overdogs i don't right. know whatever the word the opposite of an underdog is right. they don't, they is don't it- like it's charlie at texas like it doesn't work they need to be at a place where they can sort of have built-in disdain for them that they can feed off of front runner is what you're looking for what were you gonna say Jack? <laughs> okay no i was you know I, that's that's an interesting you know way to phrase that because with you know louis and i school michigan state you know they start out you know flintstones plucky underdog but then we start getting you know, five-star guys, you know, and, you know, then we, then you have the things on TV, you know, tournament games where Izzo's yelling at, you know, <clears throat> Aaron Henry and people are losing their minds about it. So is it, you know, do you think it, it's the coach that, you know, that style doesn't work when they get to a certain program or is it, mm-hmm. you know, is it, is it the players that they have when they get to that point, you know, because I, the way I look at it is, you know, a lot of people talk about Michigan State and say, you know, they need to get more dogs in the program, you know, things like that. You know, there's, but, you know, I, I just, I think it might, that might be more so on the players and the coach, you know, the coach's style doesn't change, you know, his, his demeanor might have to, especially with the kids now, but, you know, I don't, I don't think the style changes. I think, you know, like somebody at, you know, when Sean Miller was at Arizona or when, you know, Shaka Smart was at Texas, I think, you know, like, like we're talking about, you know, the kids just didn't, you know, necessarily buy into everything they were teaching. And now, you know, you go back to a Marquette, you know, a Xavier teams that have good history, you know, Marquette's got a national title. Xavier's got some, you know, deep NCAA tournament runs, but they don't have, you know, pedigree of like, you know, Indiana or even Syracuse. So, you know, you know, maybe it's just one of those things where it's to, I think that might be more so on the kids. I'm, I'm always pro player, pro kid, but you know, this could be one of the things where, you know, that says more about the kids than it does about the coach's style and his philosophy. Well, it, it, it's harder to get the five-star guys to guard and, and to pressure. Like, his style is really to pick up, pressure, trap, all that kind of stuff. It's hard to do that with five-star guys who are ready for the NBA and are being told by their guys, you know, don't worry, show your skill set. And so it's a huge, different ball game. So when you're at Marquette, when you're at VCU, those guys, hey, press, trap, get after it. Sean Miller, Xavier, same thing. You know, we're not going to have maybe as many pros. When you're at Texas, how am I going to get to the league? Uh, I don't want to guard a guy full court. I want to be, I want to work on my, my, my skill set. I want to be doing it. So you're fighting, you're raging against the machine. And when you have that type of situation, it, it's very difficult. So, you know, some guys transcend that, uh, a Tom Izzo, a Rick Patino, they're going to get their guys to play a certain way regardless. Um, but it's not always the case. I think I think the difference I've always thought about it this way is you go to a place like Texas or a football or basketball or Carolina, whatever, those guys arrive. They don't they don't need you as the coach. Now we can try to make this beneficial for both of us, but they don't need you. But I think those guys at VCU uh, or places like like they know like I I need this. This has to work for me. I need what you have to offer me, coach, and they buy in. Uh, and, and I think at those other places, uh, at the blue, blue, blue bloods, like you, you, North Carolina you you've left. got work to do. Like, exactly, exactly. It's a great example. Like the players, yeah. just know I, I, we want to be. No, we're not playing that way. Yeah. Even though he had a standard that that they just didn't meet. I'll ask, and I, I'm trying to come up with one personally, but a five star that was also a dog, your favorite one that played in college. Does every does anyone have Peyton Siva? Was he a five star? Yeah, he was. Yeah, Who was that? Peyton Siva. Yeah, 
Payton Siva, Michael Key Gilchrist. There, I'll be, I'll be by far. MKG was pretty good, actually. Yeah, no, that's a good example. Yeah, he was a dog for sure. Payton was a McDonald's All American. Um, I coached him there at the McDonald's game. Yeah, he was, and in practice, he was. You could see it. So yeah, he was. He's a great example, Mark. Yep. Do you have a favorite, Jay? Yeah, I mean, it's the first one that pops in my mind, and you know, I don't know how you guys are gonna feel about this, but Kevin Durant, you know, the year he, the one year he was at Texas, you know, he's playing, you know, basically three, four, and five. You know, I remember the, I just remember the fire he played with, and particularly the game they were at Kansas State, and I think he had something like thirty-seven and twenty-five, you know, playing five, blocking shots, you know, just seeing somebody, you know, a five-star recruit guy that was only going to be there one year, play with that level of intensity, you know, just said a lot about you know his personality to me. Michael Beasley is uh, another one. Um, okay. He was just absolute. Yeah, he just got after it. He was a tremendous college player. I um, I I think mine is a guy who last played defense and last passed the ball in 2003, and that was Carmelo Anthony. But he mm-hmm. <laughs> he did everything Bayheim wanted uh, that year that he was in Syracuse. He's probably my favorite uh, five star guy to also uh, do the damn thing. I'm trying to find out if Kenyon Martin was a high level recruit. I don't think he was for some reason coming out of Texas. So, um, yeah. but that was. I was I was thinking about that today because the the college football rankings just came out. Louisville stayed at ten, by the way. Uh, two of the opponents they had moved into the top twenty-five, which is really good for them uh, on a long-term basis. The committee but, also inexplicably kept Tennessee in the top twenty-five um, for some reason. Yeah, why would they do that? Uh, the uh, <laughs> the the one that stands out though is the Kenyon Martin rule just got applied to Florida State and they dropped from four to five, um, and so the injury to Jordan Travis moved them out of uh, the top four. Um, I would say if I were on the committee that it was because Washington won at Oregon State. That's what I would say. But if they weren't good enough last week, a two-point win at Oregon State shouldn't be there. Jay Davis is smiling. Washington's profile has been better than Florida State's all year. You know, that they, they smoked LSU when LSU was healthy. You know, that's the difference between – I mean, it's week one, obviously, but them beating LSU by three touchdowns still is more impressive to me than what Alabama did to LSU because at that point LSU's whole secondary was out. but. You know, the Clemson game, you know, Clemson's back in the top 25. They're having a down year. But, you know, Washington winning at Oregon State, beating Oregon, um, you know, just, you know, the the, Pac, the Pac-12 is the second best conference in the country this year. The ACC, you know, is maybe, you know, three or four amongst the big boys. So I think Washington, I don't know why Florida State had been ahead of Washington, you know, this whole time that the playoff rankings have been coming out. But, you know, this, I, I mean, they could have done that two weeks ago. This just gave them Jordan Travis being offered. You just gave him an out. I was just going to say, I think that if you did the quarterback eye test, it's totally legitimate to think that Jordan Travis is really good. So if that's what yeah. they were doing, I got no issues with that. But um, yeah, the win at Oregon state definitely is a, is a resume builder that frankly uh, the, Florida state just doesn't have. Go ahead. Interesting thing though, is I, I think Louisville, if, if they beat Kentucky this weekend, if Florida State were to beat them in Charlotte, that would be the best win out of any of them uh, at this point. Uh, top ten win against an eleven and one team. Good point. Yep. Good point. Uh, Neutral field. But yep. if you flip it around, if Louisville beats Florida State in Charlotte, they're not going to get near the credit for that because I think the committee would almost immediately view it as Louisville benefiting from Jordan Travis not being there. Uh, so I, I think the the benefit of winning that ACC championship game is not a two way street. We're about uh, a half hour from the start of Tennessee, Purdue, and then, of course, later, Kansas and Marquette out in Maui. Before we get to those games, we do have to do 
our weekly check-in with Jay Davis, who put together the show sheet today. I, I'm not used to people helping me uh, with the shows that I'm on, so I appreciate you very much. What uh, is Jay Davis's top five for this week? Well, you know, last week we did well, we did it was food related. This this year we're getting this week we're getting back to back to sports. It's you know top five since so over the last week Cohen Carr, Michigan State freshman, had a huge dunk um, that people talked about you know on Twitter for a good good twelve hours. Uh, there's a handful of dunks that I remember off the top of my head from you know in college games that I just love. So I'm just gonna do a handful of those. Uh, check them out on YouTube. You can find them anywhere. The first one that popped into my mind was another Michigan State guy, Jason Richardson. Um, I think this was his this this was his I can't remember if this was his sophomore year. We played at North Carolina. I believe somebody was on the free throw line and he just comes soaring in, <laughs> catches it. You know, he does this this reverse windmill dunk, you know, off two feet and just throws it in. That was just one of the at that point have been one of the most amazing dunks I had ever seen. Number two, you know, send it in Jerome, you know, Jerome Lane at Pittsburgh in the late 80s. That's, you know, another one of the absolute greatest dunks I had ever seen. Um, is that dunk as good without the call? Yeah, because he because he shattered the backboard. Okay. I just feel like the call, <laughs> the call was fantastic. part of it, though, you know? The call is absolutely part of it. But, you know, that could be said about any number of, you know, great plays that we are. You're right. Um, another one that, that I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, it's another, it's another Michigan state guy in the 2005 sweet 16 against Duke Maurice Ager over one of my least favorite players, JJ Reddick, you know, coming right <laughs> down the lane. This was a Friday night game. He yeah. just goes right at and over JJ Reddick. Those are, you know, that's just three of them that were off the top of my head that I, that I had, I'm sure there's a handful more. I'm sure you guys have some. Uh, dunks uh, for me. I always think of, of Grant Hills mm. three quarter court alley-oop against uh, Kansas in the championship game. Uh, that's way, way up there for me. Locally Kyle Couric, right? <laughs> <laughs> not, not well, known not Luke Hancock, but... not Mike Mara. No. No. Right. <laughs> Not Reed Shepard. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, good. Alan, job. Iverson. Like Alan Iverson caught a dunk on. I think they were playing UMass in the Elite Eight in 96. Uh, he caught a dunk over Marcus Camby. It was a tip dunk that was just unbelievable. I think I was like 15, 14 when that happened. I, and that's when I fell in love with Alan Iverson. I was going to say, there's a five-star dog, Allen Iverson. My God. <laughs> Full effort all the time. Uh, I've never seen anyone hit the floor harder than that guy 20 times in a game and just get up and keep going. He's totally cut different. All right, there you go. Uh, Jay's best favorite dunks uh, in college basketball. I mentioned those games tonight, guys, uh, between, you know, with Tennessee playing, with Kansas playing, with Marquette in there. Um, you know, is there something we're particularly looking forward to either at Maui or in another spot? I'll start with you, Coach. Not in particular, just absolutely just embracing this whole week of, of all these great games. I mean, I'll be up late tonight um, sure. watching all of it. Uh, Toledo in, in New Mexico played tonight at 11-15. So, um, again, Marquette to me after watching last night. And when you get down to a Mick Cronin team that just defends and they have, you know, the they're, they're, that monster in the middle and, and they, their perimeter guys are just all over the place for Marquette to respond like they did being down five at the half and then being down 12, they went on a 15, nothing run Marquette 
with getting stops. And I just think that's that's an impressive side of that team as well because they can score and they can guard. They're a fun team you, to watch. How about for you, Jay? You got a favorite game coming up here? Yeah, I'm just I'm interested to see how Purdue's guards perform against you know Tennessee. Tennessee's going to put a lot of pressure on him. Fletcher Lawyer's got to play a lot better than he did last night. I'm picking Tennessee in that game, you know, just mm. because. I mean, Zach Eady's probably going to have a great game, but I just can't really see Purdue getting a lot from you know the supporting cast. And you know, Tennessee just has you know we talk about it. You know, they Tennessee's got some dogs. I'm I want to see how you know Marquette handles Kansas's size. You know, Kansas has a really good one-two punch with, you know, Hunter Dickinson and Lance McCullers. So I just want to see how, you know, how Marquette deals with those two. Lance McCullers had a triple, triple double yesterday. And I think the only other guy in Kansas history with more than two triple doubles is Will Chamberlain. So hmm. yeah, you know, these are going to be some great games tonight. I, I hope I, I hope I can stay awake, particularly for that, <laughs> that Marquette Kansas game. I'm getting old. I got three kids that still keep us up half tonight, but <laughs> Yeah, I, I, those are those are the two that I'm looking forward to watching the, the rest of the night. Ennis, who do you like in the Blue Devil Challenge? Oh God, do I, am I supposed to know who's in the Blue Devil Challenge? Duke. I Duke assume Duke. Duke. Yeah, Duke. I like Shocker. Duke. Yeah, that's <laughs> stunning. Hey, for what it's worth, I mean, with Kansas Marquette tomorrow. Uh, Yo, know, Kansas, they beat Kentucky, but like they were, they were like very, very, very uh, Dickens or whatever, uh, like dependent on that mismatch in that game. And I do wonder if somebody else who's more whole at at in the front court might be able to take advantage of that more uh, them just sort of being so dependent on him, at least in that game. And maybe they just played that way because Kentucky was so shorthanded at center. Sure. But it felt like, like they were really reliant on him and, and maybe somebody who could either run and just sort of play a different game and not let him be as much of a factor or not it makes a difference in that one. I'll be watching. I think it's interesting. I think even uh, last night we saw St. Joe's send an extra guy to the glass just because they knew Kentucky. They could, yeah. Yeah, just because yeah. they could. And they out-rebounded Kentucky last night in, in Rupp Arena, which is a remarkable thing uh, to say. All right, boys. Uh, right at 38 minutes here. Uh, any parting shots? Uh, any uh, favorite things that we're looking forward to for Thanksgiving? I know we did desserts last week. I guess I should ask. Coach, are you a ham guy or turkey guy either? Um, more ham. Not a big okay. turkey fan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you I had good know. turkey before? Um, I, I guess I I'm just I've had I, it like twice. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I, turkey doesn't uh make my toes tingle. <laughs> no, it sounds like one of those exercises toes. they tell you to do before you give a public speech. The turkey doesn't Jay? make my toes tingle. You know, like Jay you say, Davis. Do we learn? Do we lean bird or do we lean hog there? I don't know. I I take a leave both of them. We only got a turkey this year because my six year old wants to have a turkey and break the wishbone. But I bought I bought a <laughs> I bought a steak to put on the blackstone, so I'll probably eat that. There it is, uh, Mark. I'm doing uh, pulled pork and ham on the smoker. Is that something you'd be interested in? Not if Jay's having steak. I'm going to Jay. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't know we could just do steak. I didn't know we were allowed to do this though. By the way, the Long Island game has started. All right, Rod Strickland finally got there. Columbia's up uh, 11 to 4 right now. That's amazing. I love the idea of the guy being on the Long Island freeway, just side phone style, just not able to move yet right now. Texting the SID. Oh, man. All right, well, happy Thanksgiving if you are uh, uh, listening to this show. We appreciate you very much. I joke about being the number one college basketball podcast in Canada, but we are. It is what it is. 
Um, look, just dominating okay. Windsor, Windsor, Ontario. Deal with it. Um, I'm Louis Rabo. He's Jay Davis, Mark Ennis, the coach, Mark Lieberman. We'll be back next week with 40 minutes of pod. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Nolan Richardson. <laughs>